What are the basics of cybersecurity that every business leader should know? I'm Veronica Dudo. Let's get started. This is In America Today from the Ticker News Studios in New York City. Hello and welcome. Coming up, Hollywood writers will return to work today after deciding to approve offerings of higher pay and protections against AI. Plus, first, Amazon, now eBay, becomes the second tech giant to be hit by a lawsuit from the U.S. government recently. But first, the United States is on the brink of yet another government shutdown with just four days left before funding runs out. A bitter standoff in Congress continues threatening to disrupt essential government services and causing widespread concern among the public. The deadlock revolves around the allocation of funds for various federal programs and policies with both parties unwilling to compromise on key issues. As the deadline looms, government agencies are making contingency plans for a potential shutdown, which would furlough federal employees and halt numerous critical functions, including national parks immigration services, and food inspections. The stakes are high as the economy is still recovering from the pandemic and a shutdown could exacerbate existing challenges. Furthermore, the political fallout from another shutdown could have long-lasting consequences for both parties, making this a high-stakes game of political brinkmanship. Regulators around the world are stepping up scrutiny of corporations who have failed to uphold proper cybersecurity protocols. And on the eve of Cybersecurity Awareness Month, experts are warning that it's important to get the basics right of protecting your customers for your own data. For more, we're joined by Annie Hager of CyberGC and Sam Farabots, head of cybersecurity services at Kmart Group. Thanks so much for joining me today. So uh, let's start first, Annie. What are the basics of cybersecurity and why is it so important to get them right? Thanks, Veronica. It's really important to remember that there are IT basics for cybersecurity and then there are non-IT basics. So if you're not an IT person, that's okay. There's plenty of things that you can still do to get right. Um, Sam's the expert on the IT basics, so I'll leave her to talk about those. But from the non-IT basics, there's things about training your people, making sure that you've got secure processes in your business that help to catch the people-related cybersecurity risks, because a lot of attacks these days, in fact, the majority of attacks, don't come through an IT vulnerability. They come through a human vulnerability that's related to the people missing a phishing attack or being particularly targeted targeted by threat actors who know a huge amount about that person thanks to social media and who are targeting their attack right to exactly how the way that person's weakness is. So getting your training right for your employees and the processes right in your business around protecting your information are the first couple of core things around the basics for cybersecurity. Now, Sam, can you talk a little bit about some of the basics when it comes to IT and cybersecurity? Thank you, Veronica. Yes, um, to me, knowing um, what your business crown jewels are is the essential for each business in each company. You need to know where your um, 
important data sets, then you can protect. You cannot protect what you don't know about. So uh, starting with understanding where your crown jewels are and understanding about where your important data sits is essential for each and every company. That's the first thing that everyone should adhere to. And second, um, basic for each and every company to me is identity and access management. Do you have a strong password policies in place? Um, is your company enabled multi-factor authentication or MFA? Do you know who has access to what? And are you auditing those accesses? Um, and third for me, third basic for me is asset management. Again, do you have an inventory of your assets? And um, where is it? So having an asset management in place is critical. And last but not least is vulnerability assessment and vulnerability management. Um, you should do, companies should do testing. They should scan their assets. They should scan uh, their systems to understand and find those holes and then put, put together a plan to fixing those holes. Now, we have certainly seen a lot of different attacks, most recently here in the United States when the casino MGM was uh, shut down completely for ransom. So we are seeing this is uh, on the uh, you know upswing, unfortunately. So, uh, Annie, maybe what are some sort of training for staff members to do? So the training is critical to actually link it to the person's job responsibility because I've found a lot of training that people get around cybersecurity risks is very general. And it is about some of the core things that Sam mentioned about making sure that you've got complex passwords, changing your passwords regularly, being careful about links. But often that's not enough to connect it to the real life of what a person in working in a business or just going about their daily lives will experience in terms of a cyber attack. And so training can be delivered that's actually targeted to that person's job and the types of attacks that they might face in that job. So I'll give you an example. If uh, I work a lot with law firms and with small businesses who don't have their own uh, in-house legal teams, don't have their own in-house uh, cybersecurity teams, and so they're really fighting this at the front lines without any technical help inside. So what they're seeing is you know, the administrative assistant, the receptionist will be receiving a, a phone call that's very convincing that convinces the receptionist to uh, give over certain personal information um, about a, a, a client of that business. Um, or even more uh, damaging can be the phone calls that convince you to change bank account details in a system. Those are called phishing attacks. And that's just, that's voice phishing or phishing, but there's also phishing attacks that come in via SMSs and via um, emails. And those phishing attacks convince the person on the other end to take certain actions that then can lead to that cybersecurity breach. But that's often their first initial in. So what people need to be trained in is not only how to spot the phishing attacks in terms of suspicious emails, but they need to understand the kinds of social engineering that might come through through phone calls, text messages and email that are specific to their job title. So if you're a receptionist, you need to understand not just to give that information over the phone because you're trying to be helpful with customer service. You need to put processes in place to stop that information being given out. Um, you need to think about what are the processes to change bank account details in your system. 
a lot of well, Sam and I are both based in Australia and we're seeing a real uptick in um, what in interception of invoices, people changing bank account details and then depositing large amounts of payments into the wrong bank account because the hacker has provided either by phishing or email compromise different bank account details and the money's then just gone. So those are all processes that can be um, secured through good training and good process implementation in your business, which is then backed up by good IT security as well. Now, Sam, is this something that you would cover in terms of identity and access and, and how that works? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely, Veronica. Uh, for identity and access management, it's super important for us to have plan in place. And um, like I mentioned previously, we need to understand who has access to what and regularly audit those accesses to our systems and to our data to understand if we need to uh, revoke an access, if somebody needs that access or not. So auditing access is essential basically, uh, alongside with understanding again, who has access to what system, to what level. Now, in terms of some best practices for asset management, like hardware, uh, software, and even data, maybe we could get uh, both of your thoughts. Annie, could you start us off? So in a small business, that's not too hard. You know, you can, you know what laptops you have, you know what mobile phones you have, but you just got to put a good process in from the beginning and keep a, a log of what you've got, um, what the what systems they're running, what software they're running. And you also have some processes to make sure that your employees don't put um, software and things on those assets without, on those IT assets without you knowing, because when you've got software running on a laptop that might be a problem, you won't know if you've got a vulnerability unless you know what's on that asset. So you want to be also checking those assets. So it can be as simple as a list. Um, the bigger your business, the less practical that becomes. And so if you're getting to enterprise asset management, you really need to be uh, tagging, numbering, tracking all of those assets, but also having access to those remotely. So it's not enough to know that you've got a thousand laptops in your business. You need to know that you can access each one of those remotely if there's a cybersecurity attack, because somebody might be using one of those laptops to access your system you know, via a, um, a compromise of that asset. And you want to be able to basically turn that asset off remotely. And so that means you need to know what that asset is. You need to know that it's up to date and it has all the patching on it. You need to know who's got it and you need to be able to control it remotely. So that's one of the components of asset management. And the same principles go for all other devices that might hold information about your business, be that mobile phones, iPads, et cetera, that your employees are running. You need to know what they are. You need to be able to control them remotely in order to uh, wipe them or turn them off um, if in the case of a cyber attack. And Sam, some best practices uh, for asset management. And additionally, you know, if you wanted to talk a little bit about some of the best ways to manage vulnerabilities. Uh, sure. I would like Veronica to connect asset management to vulnerability management. And um, Annie uh, connected that very well already, because if you have a 
um, and accurate asset management or asset inventory in place, then you can understand what vulnerabilities are connected to those assets. And hence, you can plan for remediating those vulnerabilities. So by having, by connecting asset management or asset inventory to vulnerability management, you can have a proper uh, process for patch management in place and uh, basically fixing, fixing the holes that you have in your network. And I would like to add another item to our um, conversation, which I missed. It was about incident management. Having uh, all these basics in place, but ultimately, you should have an incident response plan in place. You should understand and be prepared. If something goes wrong, you have proper plan in place to um, follow. You should practice your incident management and uh, incident plan and playbooks before any incident, any cyber incident. So even in very high level, that's something that each company and each business, regardless of being an enterprise or a small company, um, should have in place in case of uh, any incident um, occurred. Great, thank you both for your time. We really appreciate it. Such a fantastic conversation. Thanks for having us, Veronica, and for taking the time to look at this critical issue. Thank sure. you.